still unknown reason, decided to grill the potatoes, which was obviously stupid. But he then tried to sort of defend that decision. And I wondered, because they actually sounded like they liked some of the other parts of his dish, I wondered if he had just been honest and been like, look, I know grilling potatoes isn't the right idea. I had them boiled. They got left behind in prep. And I pivoted because I thought this might be a unique way to twist it. But obviously it didn't work. Like if he had taken that approach instead of the, ah, grilled potato, I'm Sam, I'm weird, what do you know? Like, do you think he might have been able to save himself? Uh, all right, there's you, you packed a lot in there. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me try to unpack it. Uh, to answer to the short answer to your question is no. No, I don't. So you think um, even if he was honest – He's going home. Yeah, I do because I think that he made a bad dish. You know what I mean? Like it, you just would have a uh, a more understandable reason for the bad dish, but they're still going to judge the dish on its merits. And I would say, uh, in addition to the potatoes being bad, right? He's making Indian food, and our Indian food expert on the show quite reasonably pointed out that the curry that he was supposed to be making, the Vindaloo curry, is the least sweet curry, and he had a lot of sweet ingredients in the curry. Right. So I don't think that it was exactly a perfect dish, uh, potatoes aside. You know what I mean? But I will say I thought Buddha was really in trouble because just conceptually to take a a thing that's not made with puff pastry – put it in a puff pastry and then deep fry it is insane. And they really didn't like it. I mean, his yeah, samosa no, I, was bad. I don't, uh, I don't disagree with that. Although I did think he made an interesting point that a number of people came up to him and said it was really good. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? I don't think he's, you're not going to make yeah. that up. Um, no, of course. But also like, isn't that the thing we always talk about? Like if we went and tasted these things, we wouldn't say these critical things about the, yeah, the right. dishes. Like those are just uh, pedestrians that said it tasted good. Like you have, of course it tastes good to pedestrians. Everything. Yeah. All of these chefs make tastes pretty good to pedestrians. The question is, can you impress the fancy people? I mean, that's, yeah. the, that's the show. Everyone, um, uh, who was judging those samosas is light years ahead of me in terms of Indian food knowledge. So I, yeah, of course. Um, so look, I think in another week, yeah, you know what I mean? On a normal week. But I do think that this, you know, when you put all the things together that Sam had a particularly bad dish, you know what I mean? It was for me in any other circumstance, I would have been worried about like, Oh God, I'm worried for Buddha and Ashley. I had no anxiety about them going home at any, you know what I mean? Like, right. It was very clear that they hated Sam's dish and that he was going to go home. And I, you know, to go back to what you were saying, you know, I really uh, have enjoyed Sam from a personality standpoint. I really love the energy yeah. that he brings, and I think the show will suffer a little bit for yeah. for lack of it. You know, when uh, the fact that he's like kind of cooking with kids, I think is perfect because I yes, like that's it's exactly the right context for that energy. A hundred percent. He has childlike energy. Yeah, but I I thought he this like his reaction to this was weird. Like yeah, like he he made a prep mistake. It happens. Right. And then uh, he tried to come up with a solve, which also happens. The solve didn't work. I don't know why he doubled. And then the last chance kitchen really triples down. It's so on like I'm pushing the boundaries and trying to innovate when I was like, no, you're just trying to get potatoes in your dish after you didn't 
spoil them before right. you, right? Like, like your first instinct was not like if you had conceived this dish of, oh, I'm going to do a really interesting technique to these potatoes. Uh, that'd be one thing, but you obviously didn't. So well, that's we, why I asked the question, here? right? Is because I found that very weird, and clearly the judges did too, because they're not idiots. They, like, someone probably told them he forgot his damn. Oh, potatoes. they always know. Yeah, they of know. course they know. So I, it, I, I, that's why I thought, like, I don't know. You're probably right. His dish was probably worse enough than Buddha's and Ashley's anyway. I mean, but just I just right, found myself. He thinking, had raw potatoes, right? Like, yeah, no, I know. But but I just found myself. They said the inside of Buddha's pastry was raw. So like, I just found myself being like, God, Buddha and Ashley, who I think we picked as our two favorites, both made terrible dishes. So I just wondered if if Sam had not been so bizarre on top of making a bad dish, if it would have changed things. But you you're probably right. Yeah. So I, I I there were two chefs who uh, were not in the top uh-huh. who I think uh, impressed me a lot in terms of where I'm thinking about maybe can they win this competition and that was Demar and Monique. Oh well, Demar now, I think we're seeing that Demar took an episode to settle in, but it seems to me he's pretty clearly, you know. In that top group. Yeah, you got to watch out for him. And Monique, like, Monique didn't even make that good a dish. I just, I, you know, as as I'm learning more about her background and seeing kind of her versatility. Yes. And all the things that she's comfortable in. And for the most part, she's made really good food. Yeah. She, and she gets flavors. Like, I just, I think she's going to be a tough out. I, I We got to also say again, like, there's no question that Jackson has already won the award for best food made by someone who can't taste it because I don't know how he's doing it. That was a really impressive performance. It really was (laughs) to like, this was a super hard challenge. Yes. Super hard challenge. And to make food in a cuisine that you were inexperienced in and have no comfort in and not be able to taste and then have it turn out to be excellent is like, I thought I th- when he started talking about I don't know exactly what I'm doing, but I think it's going to be a spring roll. I'm like, this guy's toast. He's in trouble. Yeah, and he almost won. That's right. And and I thought in particular because like okay, spring roll is a smart idea. I think for someone who can't necessarily fully taste it because you a spring roll is a fresh thing. You know what's in it. You can probably sort of picture the taste in your mind. But the fact that they raved about the sauce, like. I think of sauce as a thing that you're constantly tasting as you go. A little extra salt here, a little extra spice there, right? Like, to really nail a sauce, I feel like, is a very taste-heavy process. Yeah. Well, you know, you did. there was one shot of another Seth tasting a sauce and raving about it. So yeah. I'm assuming that that probably repeated itself a few times. I mean, Gail called it ridiculous. I know. Like, that's, that's high praise for a sauce. <laughs> it really is. I, I so yeah. He must be something special as a chef to be pulling this off. Yeah, it's really impressive. I I did have a question about this though. Do you? I don't fully understand why he's not telling anyone. It doesn't seem like it's an advantage for him that he's keeping this from people. I wonder if there's a little bit of like the uh, challenge mentality to that part of it. Just like A, don't show weakness, but also B, could he be a little worried that if the show, if like, 
Now, this is ridiculous, obviously, because the producers can obviously see him talking about it and he's saying it in the ITMs. But is there some like apprehension of like he doesn't want the judges to know? Because he's worried it might prejudice them against him or something. Uh, maybe, but f- first of all, the produ- the judges are producers. You know. What I mean? No, producers, I know. I mean, know. I, they judges know. I'm so. acknowledging that that is a that is a false. Uh, you know, it, I don't. That's think not something real, but I don't think it's like a challenge situation where he's worried about being declared medically ineligible or something like that. Like I don't know. Like I think he feels like he just doesn't want the other chefs to know. I think it's it's just that on its face, and I don't. Maybe. Like Maybe I can understand why you might do that for an episode, you know what I mean, or two. But I don't know. It seems like he's sticking to it. You know what I mean? I I think it would be to honestly to his advantage. I think a lot of chefs would be willing to like kind of help him. That's generally the spirit of this show, right? So, um, so I don't know. It's, it's it's interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, it might just be nothing more than like, uh, you know, being self conscious. Yeah, maybe, maybe, but it, 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 remember in the beginning, he said, right, am I, does that make me an asshole if I don't tell these people, right? So right. I think he would, I don't think he was thinking about it in terms of like, I'm worried about them judging me. I think he's thinking about it in terms of being competitive advantage, you know what I mean? So I just yeah, don't see, I just don't, I just don't see what advantage he's getting. Right. If that's how he's thinking, he's not thinking very deeply about it because I don't see how it matters. Yeah. If anything, it's it's a disadvantage. So I guess maybe if maybe he's thinking like, well, you know, right now people taste my food like anyone else, but if I tell them I can't taste it, maybe they'll just like leave me hanging. But I, I like I, you said, I doubt that would happen. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we uh should have a burn of the week for uh <laughs> for one of these dishes. <laughs> you know, like there like some uh, tough a judge's this burn week, of the man. week. But man, when uh, um, when Padma said that Buddha made a valiant attempt at a samosa, I'm like, oh man, she hates it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's a coincidence that two of the three chefs in the bottom were serving mediocre Indian food. You know. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Because <laughs> there there were some other bad. Like it would. There were not only three bad dishes in this week. This week, no. I felt was very split in that there were like. Four or five spectacular things, and then four or five really not very good things. Well, it was weird because it was like they they came out of the shoot with a yes. bunch of great dishes, and then uh, then all of a sudden it kind of started to fall apart. I was wondering so, about that because do you think that's just true to the order that it happened, or did they make a production decision to do the good ones first, which would be a little weird, I think. I suspect it's the latter, and I don't yeah, totally understand why. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't, uh, that was, I, I did think it was interesting. We've, we've gotten this far and haven't talked at all about the winning dish. Um, yeah. Which, uh, from Jay. Yeah. Which, which I thought looked just ama- amazing. Oh, like man. that just looked delicious. And watching them all slurp up those noodles. Yep. I was like, the, the way Gail went after those noodles when like, it felt like someone behind the camera had been like, all right, stop eating and let's talk about it. And they're like starting to talk, and Gail's just like, <laughs> "I was like, oh god, that must be so good." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then there was uh, that first dish, and I don't even remember who it was that Tom asked for seconds on. Yes, I was like, "Take that, you know, like DVR that moment and like put that on an NFT." Or yeah, something. he was <laughs> like, "I if I didn't have 
15 other dishes to taste, I would have three more of those. Uh, yeah. That's that's about as good a compliment as you can get at one of those sort of uh, street food challenges. And I liked this challenge, by the way. I don't understand why we had to eliminate the quick fire. That was I was just about to ask you how you felt about not doing a quick fire. I mean, I guess ultimately I don't I'm fine with it. It's not a big deal, but like I enjoy quick fires and I don't understand why it was eliminated. Like just stretch the shoot over 2 days or if you have to. I don't know. I don't like what's the problem? Yeah, I mean, I get why they want to do the thing where they're uh tasting uh the, the food from these visiting chefs, but I don't know why that required not doing a quick fire. That makes sense. Um, I yeah, also they've felt done like, stuff like that before and still done a quick fire, right? Like I don't. Yeah, it's weird. This was the really the first episode where we saw them out and about in Houston. It seems like, and I feel like that was a lot about because they needed to plug the BMW. Am I am I crazy about that? <laughs> uh, not at all. They <laughs> like there was definitely uh there was a scene where Padma referenced the BMWs in a way that was like. You, it felt like on t- <clears throat> on Twitter when a celebrity does something, and then there's a hashtag ad at the end of it. Only the TV <laughs> version of that. Yeah, it seemed pretty clear that they were like, "All right, well, episode three is going to be our BMW episode. Like, we're really going to get our get our plugs in." Either that, or like they sent episodes one and two to to the BMW people, and they were like, "Guys, uh, we're not giving you money to not mention us fifteen times a show." <laughs> yeah, it might be that because I'm pretty sure that like. They just cut to them at the football stadium. You know what I mean, right? It's like over uh, the football stadium, and they're there. Or they, know? I think they, I think they did drive the BMWs, but they did not make such a big deal out of it. No, you know. So you yeah. got Joe in the car, like, "Hey, BMW, take me to." You know, like, "All right, yes, great. Your cars have navigation. We get it." My dad used that opportunity. My parents are in town and watched with uh, me and my wife last night, and my dad used that opportunity to give me some sort of fun fact about how. Um, there are like 2,500 product placements in one season of The Bachelor or something. I can't remember what it was about, but it was something like that. <laughs> that sounds like a good fun fact. And, yeah. and I would say it's unsurprising. Yeah, totally unsurprising. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Unsurprising. Um, I, I, you know, I long gave up on The Bachelor, but I heard this season was just a total mess. Total mess. Uh, yeah, I, I, I am happy to say I am... Uh, in a life situation where I don't hear things about The Bachelor. Yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> um, blah, 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 blah. All right, I think I'm done with Top Chef. You got anything else you want to add? No, nothing really. Um, but uh, other than I do think much earlier than usual, we are in a spot with this season where any chef can go home any week because there's too many good chefs and not enough lesser ones. Like – I agree with that. And people that I was thinking like 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 Nick from Mississippi I thought might be a lesser one. Right, but he's not. Um, but yeah, it doesn't seem like that's happening. <laughs> no. No. And so. they all I feel like and maybe this is because people have now seen so many episodes or seasons of the show. Um but like I feel like the chefs on this season are arriving at the like okay, I just got to do my thing sort of uh equilibrium much faster than normal. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a little worried for Sarah. Um, I can't picture Sarah. Sarah is from Michigan. Oh, she's a brunette, and she was yeah, 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 yeah. She she was freaking out about something this week. She just feels like she's in the deep end of the pool a little bit, and they haven't loved really 
I don't think any of her dishes yet. Now that I'm thinking about it, so yeah, she hasn't been on the. Uh... No, no, I take that back. She was high uh, in the in the top group in the first episode. Yeah, uh, or no, sorry, s- in the quick fire of the first episode. Um, yeah, and she hasn't been in the bottom, has she? Uh, no, she was in the bottom in week two. Oh, okay. Yeah, Sarah Howman. Hallman. Howman is her name. Oh, no, wait. That's the one from last year. Hold on a second. Uh, Sarah Welch is her name. Sarah Welch. Okay. Right. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I hear you, but, again, it, it, maybe even if she is the bottom of the, you know, totem pole as it were in terms of ability like the gap is small enough that I, I, sure she she might be in trouble but she also might win and the the chef you th- you know buddha might go home so yeah yeah look i'm not uh, telling you uh i'm not telling you that uh that you know she's toast or anything no no i, I know i i i, I, I hear you for her. i hear you <laughs> um but i i don't know i think the gaps are really small yeah yeah no it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting season uh, speaking of interesting seasons, mm. um, I guess that's really uh, that's really the key to talk about Severance, right? Probably. <laughs> I find this show very interesting. Have um, you watched the latest? Latest? Uh, there was one that that dropped last night. If that's yes, what you mean, correct. and I have not seen that one yet. I've okay. seen all the others. All right. Everything I just want to make sure I don't spoil anything. Okay. Uh, I think this show is interesting in concept. Yep. I I love the look of it. I think uh, the direction by Ben Stiller is tremendous. Yep. Um, and it's a show that really knows what it wants to do, like mood wise. Um, there are some incredible acting performances. There's just a, a a lot to sink your teeth into in Severance. The burgeoning love story between. John Torturo and Chris Walken is one of the most fascinating pieces of television I've watched. And when you say that, right, like if you if you're a person who's listening to this and hasn't watched the show, right, like that sounds like a sort of a gonzo stunty thing to do. And it's I mean, it is a little wild in terms of the way that it's presented, but but it's like subtle, really. Yeah, it's it's subtle and, and you feel the emotion and. You're really like you are you're sort of in it with them, you know, like you want these two crazy old kids to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They seem kind of right for each other. Yeah. And and Uh, also, I I don't know Britt Lauer. So I believe this is kind of her first big role of any kind. But she is excellent as well. Illinois native. Um, I just there's so many good performances. Um, Patricia Arquette is always great. The guy playing Milchick, I think, is fantastic. Zach Cherry, who's uh, Dylan in the yeah, <laughs> he's always funny and and I think really well cast here. But yeah, this show is both conceptually fascinating to the point where you are, you'd be on the edge of your seat just trying to figure out what was going on, even if it wasn't also really well written and tremendously acted and so well directed. Like you're just pulled into this building it feels like you go inside the building every time the show comes on i just love it 
Yeah, me too. Uh, if I have one uh, minor complaint, uh, I would say it's that the work life uh, seems seems a little more interesting to watch so far than the than the non work life. Uh, um, I would I would encourage you to uh, revisit that thought after this next episode. Good. If you're telling me that changes that, would that I would be excited about that. So um, it definitely. There's definitely some added uh, drama to the non-work life. Um, and for people who don't know, like, I assumed uh, incorrectly that it was about firing people. You know, severance. Oh, um, I didn't. I knew what it was about. I, I had no idea what it was about. It, 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 what it's about is, like, cutting people's brains in half basically so that they are two separate consciousnesses one that that lives at work and one that lives their home life um which just is a really interesting concept and also i just think the the way it is played out they really thought about how this might work right like there there has been deep thought about what if if we actually did this how would it play out Yeah, and it, it is. Um, I I don't know. It's surprising. I think in some of the ways that it plays out. And yes. I, you know, yeah. The other thing is, uh, there's. I mean, I think this is essentially science fiction, right? And it has some of that sort of cold science fiction vibe, which I think is interesting. And I also think that right, the company that we're talking about, not just because they're doing this crazy procedure, which I think a lot of normal companies might want to do if it was available to them in some sure. way. Yeah, this company. The you know Lumen seems yeah. like a um, you know there's a lot more to explore with Lumen. Seems like there's a lot going on with Lumen, and there's this weird sort of mythology and almost religion about it that I think yes. is going to get into some of the more science fictiony aspects of this whole thing. It feels um, very much in the and I mean this in in the good way, not the bad way. Very much in the the vein of like the better parts of Lost and the um the what's it called collective the Dharma collective. Yeah, well, and look, it makes sense, right? If you're going to create people who literally exist to work, right? Yes. Like that is the the focus of their life. Then making the company their like their religion or their god, like that sort of makes sense. It right? does, For, yeah. You know, so. Um, so yeah, I think some of the, that aspect of the show is, is really interesting or like, like when Patricia Arquette is yelling at Adam Scott and like signs off with like, have a productive day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or thank you better thank Keir. She's still alive. You know what I mean? Is like some of that stuff I think is really uh, subtle and interesting, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. And the, you know, the not reading and there's just, there's, there's so many interesting nuances to the way they have sort of designed this world um I, I yeah like i said i just love the show um for anyone who did a uh wikipedia dive on brit lower uh while we were talking maybe it's just me i don't know <laughs> uh, i also have it up she was in an episode of it's always sunny went to northwestern and is the daughter of a face painting artist that i, I that that i find very fascinating because i'm not i was not familiar with that being a thing uh yeah she's a she's a sounds like she's more or less a chicago actress um came out yeah. of chicago and she uh 
she worked at I IO Improv Olympic and went to Northwestern, which of course is in my hometown. Shout out Britt Lauer. She's great. I would like to know more about professional face painting as a vocation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, the last days of Ptolemy Gray. Um, how many of these did you watch? Because I guess some more dropped yesterday. I did not watch yesterday's episode of this. Um, Nor did I. So I, I watched the two that were available to me up until. Yep, me too. Uh, after one, I was pretty worried because I was having just a not. And I think, honestly, it's a, in some ways a credit to the show and, and what they were trying to do in the world that they were trying to build in terms of, you know, that largely just in sort of Sam Jackson's mind. But it was just a the first one was a pretty tough watch for me. Yeah. You know, like just kind of watching this guy be old and senile and be, uh, you know, really a burden, right, to yep. all of these people in his life. Yeah. Um, and to not even sort of be able to experience his own tragedies, you know. Yeah, and I knew some stuff was going to happen, but uh, I just didn't – I didn't – I'm like, man, if we're getting 10 episodes of this, I don't think I can handle it. Uh -huh. uh, but episode two, I thought really – you know, the very end of episode one, I'm like, wait, is this a murder mystery? <laughs> and then, but you know, you get an episode two and things really start to start to change around. Uh, and I'm much more on side after the second episode. And uh, Dominique Fishback, who we've seen in some oh, things God, uh, uh, that we've talked about in the show before, like I, she's just incredible in this. And I'm, yep. I'm excited that she's got a big meaty role to chew on. She is an absolutely wonderful actress. I just, yeah, I, 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 I feel so lucky with so many of the, the young actresses and actors we're watching these days. Uh, we're, we'll get to a couple more uh, that we haven't seen before in, in another thing we're talking about today. But Dominique Fishback in particular, like her role in The Deuce and this role have some commonalities, but she just feels like a totally different person. Um, she somehow seems like five to ten years younger in this, in this than the deuce. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> yeah, she feels younger in this. That's absolutely true. And I think she played she, the way her relationship began and and developed with Samuel L. Jackson just through two episodes. I thought was just. Tremendous acting, and almost all in the acting. Very little in the script. Yeah, there's a there's a moment where they just share a hug that is like yeah, that was like really powerful. And you I know? gotta say I, this too, I feel like this is more like character acting than we've gotten to see from Sam in a while. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. It's kind of a it's a good role for him because he gets to act, but he gets to do loud things too. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And I thought he was really, really excellent in the loud and the quiet moments. Um, so I'm actually excited about this. And I'm with you. The first episode, I, I think actually, you know, the criticism I was going to make is I don't know what they would have had to do, but somehow the, the visit to Walter Goggins' uh, doctor's office or whatever you want to call his mansion uh, – Somehow that should have been the beginning of episode two and not like two thirds of the way through. Like yeah. there was too much preamble, I think. Like we got the point. I think they could have done it more quickly. But 
I don't know. I can't be too upset because after two episodes, I, I'm feeling pretty good about it. I expect we will get more Walton Goggins, but uh, I'm really also hoping that we're going to get more, more Walton Goggins. No, I mean, uh, I think that's <laughs> – as far as I can tell, I mean, I think he's going to be somewhat central to the rest of the show. But I guess we'll find out. Um, yeah, me too. Uh, but I am, uh, uh, I'm just, yeah, I'm really, I'm enjoying this. I don't know that this is going to be a big hit show for Apple. Uh, but I, I do think they may have found a good one here. I'm, I'm excited about the potential for, uh, for what this may be. Well, I know you like mythic quest, but from my perspective, these last three Apple shows we've watched are by far the best shows Apple has produced so far. And I wonder if it's a sign that they've figured something out. Maybe I, th- I generally think they're just trying to to get famous people to do shows with them. And sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. <laughs> Maybe. And uh, I mean, look, they, that's definitely what they're trying to do. The question is whether they like figured something out about the process that allows them to hit a little more because the first handful of attempts were, I mean, we could have done several episodes on how ridiculously bad the morning show got. Like it was so silly. It became enjoyable again. I've always found it to be that way. Like, I, I would never argue with anyone who says the morning show is bad, but I find it compulsively watchable. Like, it's a mess I yeah. can't turn away from. Yeah, um, yeah, and maybe that's part of the goal, part of what they figure <laughs> is, like, if we put yeah. enough Jennifer Aniston's into things, like, even if they stink, people are going to watch them. Uh, but who knows? Who, yeah, I, I, I don't know. And I, and I would say shout out to Mythic Quest, which I think is every bit as good as all of these. I really, I, I really, really like Mythic Quest. Um, it's like sitting right there in my... Next up in the queue, along with Mr. Corman, and I, I intend to watch them both, but busy times. I've got the Kevin Durant, uh, uh, you know, show. Swagger, I think it's called. What's um, that? It's not actually about Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant produced it, and I think it's loosely based on his youth. Oh. Huh. All right. Yeah. Speaking of youth, can I, I want to give you a, a real random thing I discovered about Ptolemy Gray. Oh, okay. So um, you are, of course, a, a pretty big Veronica Mars fan. Yeah. So, uh, and you remember Wallace? Of course, Wallace Fennell. Yeah, I saw his name on the credits, Percy Daggs Third. No, Percy Daggs Fourth. Oh, my God. So the kid that uh, plays very, That's... you know, Ptolemy Gray as a child is the son of Wallace. Oh, my God. That's why. Because, holy crap. You just blew my mind, man. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was like, God, he does sort of look like it, but that can't be him. He must come into the series later. Yeah. I had to do a little little IMDB deep dive to figure that one out. That's so funny. I didn't even pay attention to, I just saw Percy Daggs and assumed it was the third. But then I was like, nah, he's way too old to be... That's crazy. God, I'm an old person. Yeah, yeah, that's what happens. Also, shout out to my boy Lionel from Dear White People, who is a yes. totally different dude in this show. Yeah, uh, it took me so long to place who he was. I was like, I know that actor. What is he from? I don't know why I don't just look these things up immediately. But it took like an episode and a half for me to be like, oh, crap. That's Lionel from Dear Black People or Dear White People. <laughs> Jesus. Should probably cut that out. Yeah. yeah. Not gonna, though. Yep, yeah, no, no. 
I don't, I don't see it happening. Um, so, uh, but yeah, yeah, I've been enjoying that show. And you know what, man? Like, I really, I do like, you know, I mean, there's a lot of shows being made in Atlanta, but I do like when it actually, when they let it be Atlanta. Yeah. And the show is definitely doing it's very that, Atlanta. For sure. Yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, not that we, we're seeing a lot of Atlanta on TV uh, as well. It's probably a good segue into the very San Francisco show um, mm-hmm. that we watched this week. Is it a very San Francisco show, or is well, it just yet another? Uh, okay, here's what I yes, here's, yes, it is a very San Francisco show. I, think. I guess it is, I unfortunately. Yeah. I, it's not a Bay Area show; it's a San Francisco show. It is a San Francisco show. That and, is correct. And and I, I and a little bit a little bit of the South Bay, I guess. Hate right? is a strong word, <laughs> but I'm perfectly comfortable using it for these people. Oh yeah, that's fair. I, I hate I don't, these people. I don't, you're not supposed to like them necessarily. I don't think. Yeah, but right? you know what? I don't. I don't need another, arguably aggrandizing, like, hey, look at this disruptor. Yeah, he turns out to be a complete psychotic douchebag. But check out this stuff. It just kind of made me want to puke. And I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt is excellent, and that makes the show almost unwatchable for me. I don't want to watch this douchebag make millions of dollars, even if he eventually is going to get his comeuppance. I don't care. I don't want to watch the douche nozzle rise to the top. It doesn't entertain me. I don't enjoy it. It makes me angry. I watch this, and I'm sitting here like, how do we live in a world that lets these people do this shit? I... um hear everything you're saying and I feel exactly the opposite. I absolutely want to watch the douche nozzle rise at the top and get his comeuppance. Um, I don't know, man. I just wish he didn't get to make a billion dollars first so that he can fall from his comeuppance onto a pillow of cash. (laughs) I mean, look, I like this happened. So I I don't have that sort of same, like it just, you know, we're just talking about what happened. You know what I mean? I don't have that same, like, I guess he wouldn't be if we created a world in which we were, you know, lionizing douche nozzles and you know what I mean? But we're not like this is billions. You know what I mean? Like, but no, it's the real, it's a picture of how we lionized him in the real world. And, and like, can I ask you something? Did we ever lionize him? Do you think right? Like, do you think everything I've ever heard about this guy in real life was that he was insane? Does a tech bro watch that and think, "God, I should uh, be a a better person," or watch that and think, "That's going to be me"? That's that's the take I'm getting. Yeah, but that's because you already see a lot that's aspirational in this. I I don't because you're a reasonable adult. I think I think you know who would watch this and see something like to aspire to TK the fucking main character of the show would watch this and think yeah and yeah, I but I mean isn't there isn't that a small minority of people in in terms of the wider world you know what I mean I recognize there are a lot of them where you are right now but yeah um, well that's the thing and maybe that's part of it is like yeah I don't I, like I watch this show and I think about like some dude named fucking Paige Lansdale living in a high-rise in San Francisco, jerking off to it. You know what I mean? And it just <laughs> makes me want to vomit. I don't – I mean, I don't know. I don't feel like it's tech porn. By the way, I actually know somebody with that name. Yeah, um, I was going to say that didn't just come out of nowhere. Like, did you feel that way about Social Network? No, but in retrospect, now that you mention it, kind of. 
Mm. I, the, the difference being like that was a very dark and sinister film that was pretty explicit about judging its its own main character. Yeah, I mean, look, the tone in this is a little different. The tone um, in this is celebratory. Be- oh, I don't. And, and look, uh, I understand I don't know that, I go that far. Well, I don't think I, this is a show that likes its main character. No, but that's not what I mean. the The tone of the show is there. It's party time. You right, because you're and in I, the you're in the you're climbing up the hill right now. You got to do a little bit of that before you go down the mountain. Yeah, I guess. But the show opened with Joseph Gordon-Levitt gleefully approving a safe rides fee that did nothing to protect passengers from being sexually assaulted oh, yeah. by drivers. Like, yeah, no, I mean, isn't that the show trying to say, hey, this guy's an asshole? I guess, but it's having a little too much fun with it for my taste. I guess. I don't like By this way, show. I should also say how many we didn't really establish how many of these you've watched because there are obviously a lot of them have been on the air. All of those, only three. I've watched all of them. Uh, are you sure there's only three? Unless there were. Unless there was a new one. Uh, yeah, no, I guess you're right. Um, um, <laughs> yeah, and I I will say I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt, God, especially like coming off of the Mr. Corman performance, like. He's just a great actor. Kyle Chandler is really good in this. Did you finish um, Mr. Corman? We, we didn't talk about that in terms of Apple shows. That's no, I, we did. I mentioned it. I just said that it's sitting next to Mythic Quest on my watch next queue. And I just. Oh, I you're right. You did to, say that. I apologize. Um, yeah, no, but I, I've watched the, the first three episodes is what I've watched. And I, I, I want to return to it because that at least is interesting. Uh, I, this to me is not interesting. And it just I can't say anyone's doing a bad job. I just don't want to watch it. So, like, the end of that second episode when, like, you see all these, like, pink mustache cars, like, driving down uh, Market Street. And, and he like, goes and accosts someone about, no, well, like. Well, that's the next. That's right. That's the first scene of the next episode, right? Like, what made they you sort of leave lift? it on the cliffhanger of, like, you're seeing all these pink mustache cars, like, flying around. Like, that. it doesn't go, like, uh-oh, what's this guy? How, what's he going to do? You know what I mean? Like, knowing that what you know now, like, that. Like, that doesn't hook you in at all? What I know I now not. is, like, Uber is still an app that exists, and that fucking guy is on a desert island somewhere enjoying himself. That's I what I know. I'm not sure that he is, right? I don't, I, you know, He's maybe I don't know enough about how it ended up. He's not in jail. He's certainly not in jail. So, also, definitely does not work for Uber anymore. I can tell you that. So, no, but. It's about as far as I know. He, uh,. Started a venture fund because he has a net worth of $2.6 billion. Oh, God, so, that is a bummer. Yeah, super cool. <laughs> yeah, he really got his comeuppance. That is a bummer. <laughs> He's all the way down to 238th on the Forbes 400 list of richest Americans. So, you know, he's not even top 200 richest Americans anymore. <laughs> it showed him. <laughs> um, I don't feel like Wikipedia specifically identifies him as a libertarian. I'm sure you're shocked. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, no, fuck the real guy. Um, yeah, I'm embarrassed I, that he's Jewish. That's how I feel about this dude. I don't think we've talked enough about the the cast of the show because I think there are some some uh some pretty good people ringing around, and a couple that have not showed up yet apparently from just reading. Oh this. yeah, well uh, I'm not gonna see them. No, no, you're out. So you know, there's only seven episodes of this. But I know. You're out. At, yeah. at at like four more hours of this feels exhausting. Do you know who narrates the show? I literally just learned this. I was trying to figure it out. I couldn't. I couldn't pin it down. It's a, it's a person whose work you're you're quite familiar with. I'm sure. 
I, w- I would dare say maybe even love. Wow. It has a very, uh, it, it's a, it's like an edgy, uh, you know, shit talking voice. I did like the, the voiceover was my favorite part, to be honest. What if I said this person really likes feet? Rex Ryan? No. <laughs> Come on. Great guess. Thank Great you guess. for laughing. Quentin- at first I thought you weren't going to laugh yeah. at that joke and I was scandalized. Yeah. Quentin Tarantino. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Hank Azaria and Uma Thurman are the two people who have uh, oh. who are in the show that have not showed up yet. Well, so. I like both of them. And like I said, like I have no complaints about any of the acting. and yeah. I, I don't have any complaints really about the writing or directing either. I just – the subject matter makes me want to puke. I don't, yeah. I don't want to spend my time. It. It's the – this for me is the reverse of our classic I like living in this world for a little while. I hate this world. Yeah. No, and look, the fact that it's the real world makes me that much more upset. Yeah, I I get it. I, I get all of that. For me, I don't mind. I don't mind spending time in this world so much. Like I don't want to spend time in the real world about it. I'm not. <laughs> I get everything you're saying. Yeah. But like from a from an entertainment standpoint of the show and and watching them try to fight to build this company and knowing that it's going to be a train wreck, like um, I'm 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 not I'm not I'm good. Yeah, I'm, but I'm I mean, kind of again, it. like train wreck is relative. I don't totally know what that means in this context. Like, it's a successful company still. That guy made a couple billion, and like, yeah, he had to leave his company because a bunch of women got sexually assaulted. But that's not a happy ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's fair. I'm I'm willing to see where the story goes. Uh, and also, you know, I I like things. Um. That are shot in San Francisco, and and they do a really good job of that. And there's it's loaded with Pearl Jam songs. It's, yeah, well, that you know, part's good. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that's here for me in this. Yeah, so. like I said, it's pretty well done. Can I? Uh, are we done with with Super Pumped? I want to be done. I with think Super so. Pumped. I, um, I get I get the but I get I do get the criticisms. You know what I mean? But I'm yeah. enjoying it. So I just this is uh, just a very funny thing. I am trying to find his age, and I can't seem to um but i opened the uh <laughs> i opened the imdb page for percy dags the fourth okay and i'm just i wish i could find his birthday because that would really because the third is basically my age he's 39 uh turns 40 in july yeah. um percy dags the fourth is listed on, I wonder if maybe he's a younger brother instead of a son, but that would be weird. Uh, he is listed as, it says Percy Daggs is an actor and writer. That, he, there's no way. There's no <laughs> way he's a writer. There's no way. Percy Daggs the fourth is an actor and writer known for uh, The Last Days of Ptolemy Gray and a couple other things. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like maybe they gave... His dad's writing credit to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that might that that's, that's almost got to be because this kid can't be more than six, right? Uh, yeah, maybe he's ten playing six, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unless right, unless he has some sort of genetic condition or something, you know, Gary Coleman style. Um, <laughs> oh, I didn't even. By the way, that. if he, if that does turn out to be the case, I apologize. I, uh, I, <laughs> We're not I did not to, expect that. Yeah, not trying to disrespect him. Uh, no, I, I, I think he's just a very young man. I just think it's one of those weird quirks. Much like watching this NCAA tournament, looking up and remembering half the coaches' playing careers. That's yeah, stuff that happens. You know what oh, I mean? Oh man, it's so weird. Ron Harper Jr. is playing college basketball. That is yeah. That that one hits you right in the old age. 
Yeah, there there are a few of those juniors or yeah. like, you know, it's like looking up and like, oh yeah, you kind of coached by Danny Hurley. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, know, like, and his brothers out there too. Yep, yeah, there's a lot of those happening. Um, all right, <laughs> let's. I don't know how we got to licorice pizza last because. God, do I love this man? Uh, you know, look, it, I don't know if it's if it stands aside the great PTA movies of all time, which are just some of the greatest movies ever, right? But this, this is a, a really good picture, a really good story. Um, so here's what I uh, to just to address that first thing first. Um, I don't think it can stand alongside those things like There Will Be Blood or even Phantom Thread because it's just not. It wouldn't want to. Um, it's deliberately a more trivial film than those right um but this to me is the perfect movie to highlight what to me is so wrong with garbage movies like power of the dog because There is not anything in this movie that even resembles a traditional plot line. There is not really a story with a beginning, middle, and end, per se. There's just life happening, and some main characters who life happens for, and and it's not that there's no story, like, there is a plot. It's a story of a relationship, ultimately, but there's no plot, yeah. Right, like... It, it, like view, they just do stuff exactly they just do stuff but and and again it is it is many of the things that make this movie spectacular to me are the things that people tried to say about power of the dog made it spectacular it looks incredible the the way paul thomas anderson transports you to a specific time and place continues to be i think unparalleled in movie making right now and He's clearly a guy who gets little things, like yes. all of these little details. And like little if you touches. if you know LA a little bit, like he's using all real local things. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. In all of this. And, and like and and it there there is a lot of subtle, quiet acting and and you know, sort of unspoken moments in this. But it develops these characters in a way that draws you in it it is it it's like a warm hug instead of like a cold shoulder it's just to me any critic who watched the power of the dog and said that was fantastic someone needs to like sit them down and explain to them the difference between a good movie and like a museum piece yeah this is what a good movie looks like and it it that like i th- i think sometimes i come across b- being like simple for suggesting that movies should have story and character but it doesn't have to be traditional style story and character you just have to draw us in and i just it was i just such a lovely experience i can't wait to watch it again yeah you know the the whole sam Elliott thing uh about power of the dog was kind of a bummer because i feel like it is now sort of change the conversation around um, criticizing it criticizing this movie that, i agree although jane campion a critical fist game yeah, yeah. jane campion's doing her part to, she to helped open us it out. back up yep <laughs> like For i sure. just i yeah 
Uh, that's an, uh, we shouldn't talk about that because I, <laughs> the pretension it takes to do what she did is something I can't even understand. Yeah, and for all its faults, I think the direction and power of Doug, of Doug is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, other than the fact that as a director, you're supposed to be in charge of of the making movie. a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it looks great. Like uh, you know, she did yeah, things as a director better. that I understand and thought were were good. It's just not a good movie. And and putting that aside, because obviously lots of people think it's a good movie, and and this is all subjective. Like to get up there, and for absolutely no reason. Use your platform to trivialize the two incredible black women sitting in front of you is wild, man. It's yeah. wild shit. Yeah. Well, I think that was one where she immediately did. She stepped in it. <laughs> you know. But, and, yeah. And but you know what? Go full back. You know? I think that, that don't don't say like that like she deserves credit for it because the reason she no, knew she no, stepped I, in sorry, it. Sorry, that did not did not is, intro, was not trying to imply that she deserved credit for that. Yeah, she knew she stepped in it because the room went silent and Venus looked at her like she was fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Why are you disrespecting those girls right there? Of all things, what's wrong <laughs> with you? God, it's the it was the it was the most. This is why people get upset with white women thing. I think I've ever seen. <laughs> yep, yep. So and it sucks. Like I don't want to root against Jane Campion. You know me neither. I mean? Me neither. Uh, but she's making me. Yep. Um, <laughs> anyway, all right. Uh, yeah, I don't see. It's funny that I don't know how much there is to say about licorice pizza other than it's just so wonderful. And I have one more thing to say. I think it, it's. Oh, sorry. All well, right, I was going to say the, the the other thing for me is just I didn't learn until afterwards that that's Philip Seymour Hoffman's kid. Um, I knew that, uh, but I did uh, uh, think that it, to me this is a you know look I I'm in the bag for PTA. I just think he's incredible. But yeah, to get those performances yep. out of the, two completely inexperienced actors and the movie would be a flop if without either one of them it all rests on their shoulders it's incredible and i would say even like you know because the whole heim family's in it and they look they yeah. have a little bit of experience being on camera and working uh -huh. with with him yeah and the other ones are uh, fine but alana is she's tremendous she's something tremendous. special man she has yeah. a, a a very specific magnetism and it's interesting because she's certainly not like a classic beauty per se but she just is magnetic on screen. She has whatever it is. And so does Cooper Hoffman, man. The, the charisma that it takes to sell that role and to sell it as someone who actually has success and not just a doofus is so impressive. Yeah. I was talking to somebody the other day about how the Blue Jays are kind of just gone all in on people's kids. PTA. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe, maybe the Blue Jays of movie making. I don't know if that's the compliment you want, but here, here, here you go. Because <laughs> man, he's he got his dad's gift for sure. He really um, did. He really did. And and I'm kind of glad I didn't know during the movie because I think I would have had a, had trouble not thinking about it. You know? Yeah, um, it did. It did pop into my mind a few times. But but yeah, he was great. The the other little kids were great. I thought the guy who played Joel Wax was really really good um oh we didn't even talk about bradley cooper who just comes in and lights the and, movie on fire yes. for 20 minutes and, and sean penn too those are two uh, those are two spectacular that's what cameos should look like yeah yeah uh what are you and, for bradley cooper oh god he's such a good actor and and 
my dad, by the way, uh, watched 90% of Nightmare Alley on the plane. So I watched the last, like, five minutes again. And, yeah, Bradley Cooper is just awesome. Um, but in I heard – I heard. Uh, did you listen to the PTA on Bill Simmons' podcast? That was from a while ago, right? Yeah, yeah I saved it until I, I – I had it saved in my podcast app just so I could listen after. I didn't want to ruin anything, you know. Um, and, yeah, man, just the way he talks about this stuff – for such an incredible like auteur artist, he thinks about these things in a very straightforward way, um, and I just thought, I, I just thought it was great. Yeah, and for a guy who you know made There Will Be Blood, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and Phantom Thread, which are very measured, controlled, serious movies. Yeah, you know, Daniel Day Lewis being a you know common denominator and all that. Right, like he's got a tremendous sense of humor and I really love when he makes movies that where that gets to come out. I agree. You know what I mean? As much as I am, I am here to tell anyone who asks that there will be blood and phantom thread are probably the better films. I'd much rather watch licorice pizza and, uh, the, the Joaquin Phoenix one that, uh, whose name I'm blanking on now that has a somewhat similar name. No, the goofy one. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Ryan might like you on that name, too. Uh, I mean, look, to me, because well, it's similar is, is, to, the, is the the best distillation of all of it. Right. Like agreed. a serious film. That's also funny. Agreed. Um, it's because uh, the name is similar. It's like neon something. or It's very similar to uh, to <sighs> licorice pizza. It's going to drive me nuts <laughs> until I find it. Um, I inherent vice. It's not inherent neon vice. anything. I'm an idiot. Anyway. I, I, you know, the also the one a lot of people forget. I think Punch Drunk Love is just a fantastic, interesting movie. Um, Where are you on Magnolia? Just, just curious. Uh, it grew it... on me over time. Yeah, I feel. Th- I feel like it's aged pretty well, actually. Yeah, I think it's aged really well. But it, uh, I didn't love it when I first saw it. The frog thing was just too much for me. Yeah, I didn't get. Well, I didn't get it. I just didn't get it. Now yeah. I'm. Now I understand a little bit more. It makes more sense. Yeah, and so, Hard Eight, I, I, his I first watched. movie is is Hard maybe is the most yeah. underrated of all of them. I mean, the guy has not missed, and I don't love the master, but he has not missed. Yeah, yeah, the master is probably my least favorite. I would say at the at the end of the day, but yeah, um, they're all Nine great. Films. They all have some offer. Nine films yeah. over twenty five years, um, and and no misses. Yep. <laughs> um. Yeah, what a, what a pleasure! I'm I'm excited for that. And I think uh, I think both of these actors are going to get nominated. I mean, it's early in the year, so who knows? But um, no, wait, so Licorice Pizza is nominated this year, isn't it? Oh, is it? Yeah, so I I think oh, so think did they? That's a, already determined. I think huh. the answer is no. <laughs> oh well, that's terrible. Right? Am I shows you how much uh, I'm paying attention to the Oscars? Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, because it came out a while ago, I guess. Uh, it came out over Christmas. Yeah. Right, just in time. So I released on November 26th. So uh, wide release on Christmas. Um, so it is nominated for, yeah, for Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Original Screenplay. Well, that's a crime. That is it. Yeah, bummer. Bummer. Uh, I guarantee there's, pro- there's probably two actors from friggin' Power of the Dog wasting our time. Three. Three actors from Power <laughs> sure of the are. Dog sure are. wasting well, I did our think, time. I did think I'm okay with Cumberbatch. I thought he was pretty good. The, I mean, I thought they were the all good, but like, yeah. to what end? <laughs> yeah, 
for me, it's a little bit more about picture and some of the other stuff that got nominated for it. I, I suspect that it's not going to win. But Best picture? No. Yeah, but I'll be mad. <laughs> I, I do think she is going to win best director. It seems kind of seems like so. Uh, um, champion? Yeah. I hope not. Um, but I got to say, I would be less upset with Jane Campion winning best director than I would be with Steven Spielberg winning best director. Ooh, haven't seen West Side Story yet. Speaking you know of what? which, we did not put any Oscar things in homework this week. Do we? Uh, I think we should. Um, there are several films I'm interested in. Uh, the most interesting to me would be Belfast, Coda, or Drive My Car. Which actually, come to think of it, I think are the only three best pictures we haven't already watched and talked about. With the uh, West Side Story, West Side I would, I would never make you watch. <laughs> it's offensively bad. Is it? Well, I mean, you know where I'm at on musicals. Yes, um, I, you know, I'm in a similar place on musicals, but uh, my problems with this have very little to do with the fact that it's a musical, and um, much more to yeah. do with the fact that it's. I, I have a lot of problems with it that yeah. I don't even want to talk about. And look, if we're going, if we are. If I'm watching a musical, like the original West Side Story, right? It's like I can't. I don't have any shit to talk about it. You know what I mean? Correct. Um, and and this is a dishonor to its memory. Fair enough. Uh, I'll vote for Coda. We're doing one of those. Okay. Okay. Although I keep hearing more and more good stuff about Belfast, I will just tell you. And I'm just realizing Bradley Cooper didn't get nominated for anything. Yeah. That's that's messed up. It's all Messed silly. Up. The Oscars are a silly, silly thing. Although, I, you know, while we're talking Oscars, what was your response conceptually to the elimination of some of the lesser categories from the TV broadcast? Um, Hollywood just doesn't get it is my, is my response. Like the, the, that, like the backlash to that shows yes. to me that Hollywood doesn't get it. They totally agree. Because... What happened when they cut some of these lesser categories, and I say that with full understanding that movie making requires everyone, okay? And I don't think anyone's confused about that, Hollywood. I don't think you need to tell normal people that an editor matters, all right? Like Editor matters to television shows, too, but they don't do the best editor Emmy on the Emmys. That's right. You know what I mean? Respect our goddamn intelligence. And they don't do it. We know what goes into movie making. The people know... You know how we know? Because after every fucking movie, you guys list 10,000 people that worked on it. All right? We know it's a group project. We get it. Nobody wants to watch them on television. Yep. And you know what? Best animated short. I'm sorry. Like, that's there's a reason they're not putting those in theaters. You know what I mean? And, And by the way, every single year, everyone is complaining about listening to somebody who directed a short they've never seen. Thank a bunch of people they've never heard of for 10 minutes. So what are we doing? It's a television show. The people who care about who the best editor is will still find out. Right. Like, I I just, it's, to me, it's another example of Hollywood being so high on its own supply that it just can't see the forest through the trees. Right. And it's it's a similar problem that baseball has, right? Yeah. In that, like... You have this thing where the audience is aging and the show and and the game is too long or the show is too long. Right. But they're really kind of two separate problems. You know what I mean? Totally. Like you should make the show, the show shorter, but that is not a stand in for necessarily why people don't watch it. You know what I mean? So 
you kind of have to attack it on both fronts, and I feel like both of them tend to try to approach it only in one. You know what I mean? Agreed. So, uh, the difference is uh, Hollywood loves movies, and MLB hates baseball. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's literally uh, the only difference. Sometimes I think my team hates baseball. Um, uh, I, I, look, are you sure Matt Olson isn't just as good as Freddie Freeman? Not, it's not the point. It's What's not the point. point. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I I think that that is absolutely right. It's not, but that's not necessarily the question, right? Because it, it, it's about your relationship with your fans, your relationship with your city, and it's not just Matt Olson, right? It's Matt Olson plus three of your five best prospects for a need that you created because you wouldn't be because you weren't willing to spend money that you clearly had. Right. If they had offered the in fact, the original offer that the Braves were going to do was in terms of total value, actually shorter. Right. They had a higher average annual value in their contract than the one he signed with the Dodgers. But they wouldn't go to the seventh year. It was it was a sixth year Well, they wouldn't go to a sixth year. Um, okay. But regardless, yeah, they didn't want to go the extra year. Right. And, and this is the kind of thing where this team won a World Series, had a record profit year. Uh, doesn't have a massive payroll. We're second in attendance last season, right? So mm-hmm. they have the money to absorb the bad years on the end of this deal if they need to, and they still could have gone and done the things they needed to do in the outfield and a couple other places around the edges. They just chose not to. And I'll grant you, like, Matt Olson's a really good player. He might be as good as Freddie Freeman right now, and he's four years younger, Yeah, and they have him cost-controlled, but right. they already have Acuna and Albies on almost criminally cost-controlled deals. You know what I'm saying? Like They didn't need to do this. They act like they do, and they're 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 lying to their fans about it, and that's the part that bothers me. It's not okay. Matt Olson. I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure we'll be fine with Matt Olson. He's a local kid, all of that, but like, yeah. this is not only your MVP, but like, a guy who spent his entire career here wanted to spend his entire career here. Are we sure about it that? Sat, yes, said okay. as much. Right. This this all started when they were like, "Yeah, well, let's wait and see where our profits are before we make you an offer," right? right? So he he said it many times that he didn't want to go anywhere. The whole team wanted them to resign him, right? Yeah. Like, so uh, yeah, I think they made a, a really cold, bloodless decision as they tend to do, because they're soulless corporate raiders, and it's not fun to root for them sometimes. Well, I mean, I think you just... It's just the latest in a series of many of those things, you know what I mean? I fully understand where you're coming from, and I also think you should, uh, you know, take a look at the team that just traded you Matt Olson and thank your lucky stars. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I get it could be worse. Uh, but I don't think, had the A's won the World Series last year, are they trading everybody? You know what I mean? The A's I don't know can't, who they are. The A's can't win the World Series because they never let a team marinate long enough to succeed at that <laughs> Probably level. Probably not. Probably so, not. So yeah. that's it's an irrelevant question because the as A's long as they are running this way, yeah. they will never, ever win. Yeah, ever. look, I'm not saying that we have the worst ownership in the game, but our ownership's done a whole lot of pretty gross things. And like I said, you know, I had a tweet about this, and maybe you saw it or maybe you didn't. But you know what I mean? I shouldn't say I had a tweet about it. I retweeted a tweet about mm-hmm. this. So it's not my original thought. Uh, but, the, you know, the Braves fought harder to keep the chop than they did Freddie Freeman. And that's kind of gross. That is you know gross. I mean? Yeah. Gross. I mean, look, 
that I'm not going to argue uh, that they're not gross. They're obviously gross. Um, I think they're closer to average baseball gross, though. And you did just win a World Series, and you did get a pretty good replacement. So you I mean, know. when you say average baseball gross, like we, uh, would you not say we got the top stadium boondoggle in the league? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot. There's a lot not to like about the way the org does things. Is all I'm saying. No, agreed. And I, agreed. But I I will grant you that on the field that we may not be any worse today. You know what I mean? I agree. Right. I agree. But, but like, I'm also, and and I'm not. Again, they're totally gross. But like, let's look around. The A's, the, the Miami Marlins, the yeah. But those teams are cheap. Not necessarily like maybe kind of racist. You know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough. I don't want to agree to disagree, the... but but we can okay. move on. All right, let's move on. <laughs> Um, all right, let's. I think we're done, right? That's all we had to talk about this week. Maybe it is. Wow, great work! Yeah, good job by you. Good job, thanks. (laughs) Thanks, Billy. (laughs) Um, all right, homework for next week. We got we got some good ones. Um, you know, uh, if you know us at all, you knew we were going to talk about minks, right? (laughs) Oh, yeah, Jake Johnson, baby. Let's go. Yeah, sounds sounds fun. Um, I also uh, it came out last night and and I got some really positive early returns from some friends so I'm excited. Good, good. Not uh, also probably not hard to guess that we would be interested in human resources, mm. which is the Big Mouth spinoff. I was unaware of this until today somehow because I don't I don't pay attention to the world that well. Uh, but it's uh, so human resources is the name, but it's a spinoff about the monsters. So my guess is it's like the monsters back doing their. Like wherever they go when they're not with the kids. Yeah, back in I'm the, the home office. I mean, I imagine you probably get you know yeah. it'll be like the reverse. You know right, what I mean? Where right. the kids are going to be in there. I'm going to guess. I um, wonder if it will advance the story of Big Mouth or like retread the past of Big Mouth. I'm I'm very interested. Yeah, you know, I read uh, an industry article. Vulture, uh, shout out to Vulture, uh, does a really good like streaming column where yep. they sort of cover stuff. Uh, and from a business perspective, like you know. Netflix is going to be leaning pretty heavy into adult animation, as they call it. Interesting. Um, and this is the first comedy show of any kind for them that's generated a spinoff. So I guess there are going to be a lot of industry eyes on human resources. So um, be interesting to see. I have a feeling it's also going to be a, a giant hit because people love Big Mouth. And it's really funny. Um all right. So we're going to check out uh, those. And then we've got two on Hulu for you. There's Deep Water, which is the... Ben Affleck in a De Armas movie. Yeah. Sexy. Erotic thriller. Um, Hopefully it's better than The Girl Before, which we both stopped watching. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, William Hurt uh, passed last week, right? And, like, it seemed like that was sort of his provenance uh, for a minute. What an interesting career, right? Like, that guy was super duper famous for, like, I don't know, 10 years. And then it just felt like it all just sort of went away all of a sudden. Yeah. um, Not to be a downer, but uh, agreed. Uh, I don't know if it, these things are related, but I uh, made the unfortunate discovery of his role in Marley Matlin's autobiography. Are you aware of this? No. You no. know who Marley Matlin is? I do. I, um, I understand why he might be in her autobiography, but now I'm really scared about what you're going to say next. Yeah, he's uh, <laughs> psychotically abusive, yes. Oh, man, that sucks. Mm-hmm. That sucks. Uh, right, well, let's not talk about him anymore. Yeah, allegedly uh, sexually assaulted his then girlfriend Marley Matlin repeatedly. Ah, yep. Uh, and she uh, wrote it in a book like 15 years ago, and pretty much nobody cared. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I hadn't heard of it till just now. I hadn't heard of it until he died. Yeah. So not great, man. Not awesome. Uh, hopefully we live in a world where that sort of stuff uh, goes differently. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Well, that was a bummer. Yep. Uh, Big bummer. Okay. Because well, you know the dropout. That's the other. That's the other thing we're gonna watch on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, you go on Twitter to be like, "Oh, I liked William Hurd. He was a good actor." R.I.P. And you find out, yikes. So. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. Happy. All right. Uh, well, on that downer. <laughs> Is that everything? Damn, yeah, that's it. everything. <laughs> I blew it. I should have. I should have somehow burned that earlier or not said it at all. But. Oh, well, I guess we'll end on a desperately Just, sour note today. I should make sure everybody caught the drop. We're watching the dropout on Hulu as well. That's Yes, the, uh, the Theranos uh, story that hopefully is uh, less insufferable to me than the Uber story. I did say it, but we were quite literally hurting at, at the time. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Uh, now we can say goodbye. Bye-bye. This game's in the Admiral refrigerator. The door is closed. The light's out. Butter's getting hard, the eggs are cooling, and the jello is jiggling. So long, everybody. And do me a favor, have yourself a tremendous evening.